right, Revelation chapter 16. You have the notes, right? Yeah. I sent the notes, but I don't. I didn't know if they worked or not. So. I said thank you. Um, well, I know you got the notes, but I don't know oh, if they if they work. Yeah, okay. Um, Revelation chapter sixteen. I'm gonna. Um, I'm just gonna read the verses, and then um, and then we'll talk about a few of the, the things here. Um, I think this is all pretty self-explanatory. Uh, we could we can draw connections through this, which you'll see. Um, but for the most part. It's not like it's not really um, symbolic, more as literal. Um, the things that are happening here. So the last chapter, in case you don't remember, kind of sets up uh, the victory. Um, this is uh, um, the people of God proclaiming the end, so to speak. This is this is God's victory. This is what we get to experience as the final, quote unquote, the final battle, um, which I'll get more detailed in in this um, particular chapter, in the chapters to come as well, um, kind of open it up, but um, getting ahead of myself. Uh, in, the, in the last chapter, in, in verse 8, it says, And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no man was able to enter into the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were fulfilled. So um, God is, is storing his wrath here. He's about to unleash it. Um, and no one is even allowed to see him or be in the temple until... His wrath has been poured out, um, which is verse or chapter 16's um, plot. Um, so we're going to see what that entails, what his wrath looks like um, in the end. Um, but verse one, number one says, And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. Now, a lot of other translations uh, um change vials to bowls and i kind of like that more i like the idea of that more um vials um if you look up the definition in in the in the greek for this particular word it it could mean the same thing but um i like the idea of bowls more i mean vials seem so small like you you have a vial of something you're pouring it out that's not gonna look like very much though it is god's wrath being poured out from vials um but from a bowl it just looks more you know, it just it just feels more uh, appropriate, I guess, for the for the image that's being set forth. But so, anyway, continuing on, verse number two. And the first went and poured out his vial or bowl upon the earth, and there fell a noisome and grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast, and upon them which worshipped his image. And the second angel poured out his vial upon the sea, and it became as the blood of a dead man. And every living soul died in the sea. And the third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and fountains of waters, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the waters say, Thou art righteous, O Lord, which art and wast and shall be, because thou hast judged thus. For they have shed the blood of, of saints and prophets, and thou hast given them blood to drink, for they are worthy. And I heard another out of the altar say, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are thy judgments. Verse number eight, and the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun, and power was given unto him to scorch men with fire, and men were scorched with great heat and blasphemed in the name of God, which hath power uh, over these plagues, and they repented not to give him glory. Verse 10, and the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seat of the beast, and his kingdom was full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues for pain. 
and blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, and repented not of their deeds. Verse 12. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, and the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw uh, three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of devils, working miracles, which go forth unto the king of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked, and they see his shame. And he gathered them together unto a place called, in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. And the seventh angel, verse 17, poured out his vial into the air. And there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne, saying, It is done. And there uh, were voices and thunders and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake such as was not since men were upon the earth, so mighty an earthquake and so great. And the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath, which we read about in ver er, chapter 15. And every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. And there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven, every stone about the weight of a talent. And men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, for the plague thereof was exceeding great. Any questions before we jump into this? Because there's, um, there's, there's a bit to uncover here. I mean, most of it is, is pretty, uh, like I said, self-explanatory. But I think for the most part, um, I'm going to kind of keep it simple. But if there's something in here that you're just like, what does that even mean? Um, I probably won't touch on it, so now is the time to, to answer it or ask that question, so nothing? All right, well, um, I mean, we're led in, into this particular chapter of what is considered a horrifying yet uh, justifying climactic conclusion to God's wrath being poured out. Um, when many churches specifically speak about when they, have, when they say that, that he's a hellfire preacher, um, what they really mean is he's a, a, a judgment preacher. He's, uh, he's, he's one that, that's, that's warning and telling people about the coming judgments of God. And, and this particular chapter reveals those judgments, reveals what God's going to do. This is, this is it. This is the end. Um, uh, these next few chapters, we'll see the defeat of evil people on, on earth. And uh, we'll get a look at their ultimate legacy and what, what that led them to. Um, they, they have had chance after chance for salvation, but they chose to go against it over and over again. Actually, it seemed the more that God provided salvation, the more that he gave access to freedom and prodded them to turn to him, the more rebellious these people became. Uh, many wonder how they could do that, knowing that all these things were taking place, seeing all of this stuff happen, and, and still, you know, turning their back on God. How is that possible? But our world does this even right now. We're facing, we're facing the same thing. I mean, God can put the whole world to a stop through a global pandemic and make it impossible to thrive and survive on bad leadership or leadership that doesn't look towards God's will and way. And yet people are still capable of claiming that God doesn't exist and or are hateful towards God and his people. Uh, there's been several reports lately of uh, different denominations holding a yearly meeting, um, which they usually do every year, but couldn't the last two years because of COVID restrictions. Um, the, who, they held their meetings finally for the first time in two years, and they were nearly empty or half empty 
because many of the pastors and preachers quit their work. They stopped being ministers, or they shut down their churches due to uh, our, our government taxing um, because they chose to continue church services during this time. But the churches were the first place of attack by our state leaders. It wasn't. It wasn't like you know, like a like a second option or or the last option. Like you know, churches should be shut. No, it was the first place that they they chose to to shut down was the churches are assembling together, and. Uh, The churches, uh, uh, it shows the benefits of destroying God's house. Now, we're seeing, we're reaping the benefits of doing just that, and it's not looking very pretty. I have no doubt in my mind that people will be even worse during the last times. They'll be, this is bad, but during the last times, I mean, it's, it's going to be impossible to have a church. You're, you're just not going to be able to do it. Um, which you know leads us into what what will happen here. This is why it will happen. Verse number one says, "And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth.' Now I have uh, reason to believe this is God saying this to the angels, telling them to pour out the wrath, give them give them my wrath is basically what God is saying. But John hears an audible voice that announces the end of this great battle in life and everyone that that we know and how we know it is going to be gone. That this is when there will be no more chances for the earth to be saved. However, if we, when we read through this, God still provides access to salvation, knowing full well that none of them are going to take it. But this is it. This is the last time that they ever get that, that chance. Again, this, there will be no more chances. God is hereafter finished with his open salvation and will have shut the door to it forever. Uh, those that have not been saved will not be saved even if the door was still open for them. But because God is announcing the pouring out of his wrath here, it proves that the door has been shut. This is it. This is the final bit of it. In verse number two, it says, And the first went, the first angel, went and poured out his vial or bowl upon the earth, and there fell a noisome and grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast and upon them which worshipped his image. Our, our best bet, when navigating this chapter, is to section verses to their bowls of wrath. So the, we we're sectioning, well, I'm going to try my best to section these off to each bowl um, to, to really help us figure out what God's ultimate desire and plan is here. Um, but this particular verse speaks about the first bowl, which affects the earth. Uh, I'm going out on a limb here, but these bowls of wrath, I think, demonstrate not only God's anger towards humanity, because that's very much the case, but his conclusion to all things. He's completing his creation here. And, and not to say that, that, you know, in Genesis, what he made was not complete, but this is, this is the, the, the finish of his creation, so to speak. And he's doing it, he's closing off his creation in seven different bowls of wrath. Um, so the first bowl gives conclusion to the beginning of all things in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. So this first bowl attacks the earth, which was a conclusion to the earth being made. Um, this also depicts the sixth plague uh, of Egypt. Um, in Exodus chapter 9, verses 8 to 12, it gives the same kind of um, inclination, just a smaller view of what will happen in the last days. And the Lord said unto Moses and to Aaron, Take to you handfuls of ashes of the furnace, and let Moses sprinkle it toward the heaven in the sight of Pharaoh. And now shall become small dust in all the land of Egypt. 
and shall be a boil breaking forth with blains upon man and upon beast throughout all the land of Egypt. And they took ashes of the furnace and stood before Pharaoh, and Moses sprinkled it up toward heaven, and it became a boil breaking forth with blains upon man and upon beast. And the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils. For the boil was upon the magicians and upon all the Egyptians, and the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he hearkened not unto them as the Lord had spoken unto Moses. Uh, so uh, Exodus actually draws a really interesting line to Revelation multiple times, specifically through the plagues. Um, although the plagues during the time of Exodus were a representation of defeating their gods. Um, so for that particular one, it was, you know, the god of, of, of the earth or the god of, of health or whatever, the god that they were worshiping. That was a, that was a way of, to show that that the real God is is over even that God particular God. Each each uh, plague represented a defeat of one of their gods that they worshipped. And verse three is uh, the second bull. And it says, "And the second angel poured out his vial upon the sea, and it became as the blood of a dead man, and every living soul died in the sea." So the second bowl is poured into the sea, causing the sea to become blood and death. There's nothing that's going to live in the sea. No more fish, no more nothing. It's all going to die. And this gives conclusion once again to the creation of the sea. Genesis 1.20 to 21 says, And God said, Let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life, and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created great whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw... That it was good. So he's com he's completing his creation of the sea here and, and all the sea creatures specifically. Um, this is also a depiction of another event in Exodus, Exodus 7.21. And the fish that was in the river died, and the river stank, and the Egyptians could not drink of the water of the river, and there was blood throughout all the land of Egypt. Uh, once again, Moses proving God's, uh, God's justification and his wrath, but in a smaller way comparative to because this is going to be through all of the oceans and everything. I mean, you're not going to you're not going to have any kind of water um, in in to be able to. I mean, unless you want to swim in blood, which wouldn't surprise me. In the last days, there are probably some that would. Um, and then from verses four to seven, we have the third vial or, or the third bowl, which says, "And the third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and fountains of waters, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the waters say, Thou art righteous, O Lord.'" Which art the which art and wast and shall be, because thou hast judged thus. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and thou hast given them blood to drink, for they are worthy. And I heard another out of the altar say, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are thy judgments. The third bowl causes the rivers and springs to become blood. Uh, so that they're no longer drinkable. They have no access to any kind of, of water. The whole world. Um, so this brings conclusion to the sustainability of earth in, in Genesis 1, 11 to 13. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind who sealed is in its seed and is, is in itself upon the earth. And it was so, and the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind. And God saw that it was good in the evening and the morning were the third day. And uh, these rivers and these things gave uh, gave food and nutrients to these plants and things like that. So once that happens, once it turns into blood, there's not going to be anything as far as uh, uh, animals and, and, and things being able to live off of that. Like, you just can't. You, you, you can't drink blood and live. It's just not possible. Um, it's because there's not, it's just too irony. You would kill yourself. Um, it, would, it would be bad for you, um, especially for your, your organs. But this is literally cutting the entire earth off 
of every drinkable source possible. And you would not have a good time thriving off of blood to drink. Not only so, but the angel openly admits and says they are worthy. The, the angel says they're, they're worthy of this, uh, to, to drink this blood. In other words, this is what they get for the amount of blood they shed of God's children. This is what they deserve, God. This, he's saying this back to God, and then somebody, another angel, I assume, um, from the temple says, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. Um, this is for a, a cause, and, and you, what you're doing here is, is right because uh, everything that God does is right, whether we agree with it or not. It's right. Verses 8 to 9 shows the fourth bull. And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun, and power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat and blasphemed the name of God, which hath power over these plagues, and they repented not to give him glory. So the fourth bull, or, or vial as it's referred to here, is going to affect the sun. Uh, the sun will be even hotter than it has ever been. Uh, people talk about global warming now and blaspheming God's name. It'll be way worse at this point. Um, and this will be but a slight taste of what their eternities really are going to be. Uh, and they seemingly won't be happy about it because it says they continue to blaspheme the name of God. Uh, this gives conclusion to God's creation of the sun as well. In Genesis 1.16, And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. So the sun is going to get very, very hot. It's going to get intense to the point where people are just going to start be burning up. They're going to be, they could be catching on fire. They could just be so hot that they're they're literally turning red. No shade to give them. Uh, things I guarantee will catch on fire. There's just no way for everything to to um, to survive when the sun is is that hot. Um, and we'll, we'll we won't have to deal with it, but we'll more than likely see uh, how that's how that's going to play out for them. Um, and then verses ten to eleven uh, shows the fifth bowl, the fifth vial, and the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seed of the beast. And his kingdom was full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues for pain, and blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, and repented not of their deeds. So this, this bowl gives darkness to the seat of the world's leader, Satan, and causes everyone that worships this false god to be in utter pain. And it says that they were in so much pain that they were literally biting down on their tongues hard, maybe even making themselves bleed on their tongues because of the amount of pain that they were feeling. And then they still continued to blaspheme God as, as if that's going to help their, their case. But this gives conclusion to God's day of rest, um, which was the seventh day in Genesis 2.2. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. Because we have to remember that God is the king, not Satan. Uh, God is, is, is the ruler of all things. Um, in verses 12 to 16, it gives the sixth vial. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates. And the water thereof was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east uh, might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophets. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And he gathered them together into a place in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. 
Um, I particularly like this, this, uh, these verses, especially verse 16, because it, it gives uh, further uh, conclusion or credence uh, to some of the Old Testament, um, some of the Old Testament things or ideas that have happened, um, and it, it kind of ties in with all the rest of it. Um, so I'm going to try my best to, to not skip over to anything too vital. But the term Armageddon. Uh, literally means in, in the Greek, or in the Hebrew, it means um, Mount Megiddo, um, which is a literal place you can visit today. However, during the old Israel, Megiddo was a plain. It wasn't a mount. It was a flat land. Um, in fact, I think Megiddo is still a flat land. Um, it was also the site of some large battles mentioned in the Bible. In Judges 5.19, it speaks about... Um, this place it says the kings came and fought then fought the kings of canaan in in uh Tayanak by the waters of megiddo and they took no gain of money in second kings 23 29 it speaks about it in his days uh pharaoh pharaoh nico pharaoh nico king of egypt went up against the king of assyria to the river euphrates and king josiah went against him and he slew him at megiddo uh when he had seen him um so that that term megiddo is is the same used for armageddon um, so it, it could be in the same spot um, where uh, where the, this last battle is going to take place between Christ and Satan, um, which is not going to be much of a battle, but it's neither here nor there. But in John's vision, it will symbolize the final conflict between Christ and Satan and where it will be fought, hopefully, maybe, possibly in Megiddo. Um, the bull gives conclusion to God's creation of the water. Uh, he literally dries up all of the water that's 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 there at the the uh at euphrates genesis 1 2 it says and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the earth and the spirit of god moved upon the face of the waters um verses 17 to 21 um actually you might have a video there um yeah so he's he's there right now um so if you pull that video up you can watch it right now if you want it's real short it's really short um, but he's there right now in front of or at Megiddo, um, and he speaks just real quick about it. I went back and lost everything. I, I just looked to see, I clicked onto it, and then. <clears throat> and then what? And then I tried to go back, and it went like totally. Oh. Somewhere I guess my YouTube. Doesn't work? Yeah. So all, all those videos are on um, Lancaster Baptist's page, or may, it might be in Paul Chapel's page. Either way, um, you can kind of see he's, he's, he's basically walking through all the places that Jesus has walked through, um, and he's, he's out there right now um, walking through these and, and just giving a video representation of what these places look like right now today and how they take place in the Bible, um, and, and how Jesus, what Jesus did in those specific spots. And it's really interesting, short videos, um, but uh, that's just one of the links to, to look at um, for this particular chapter, or this particular passage. Um, so that's, that's the place that's going to supposedly take place, or at the very least, that's the place that's mentioned here um, to give a representation of what will happen. Uh, my assumption is, is that is the literal place that it will take place. I really don't know for sure. Um, I can't be, I'm not John. I mean, I am John, but I'm not this John. 
Um, I like saying that because it's, it's, I mean, I'm not John, but I am John, but I'm not this John. I'm not the John that wrote this, this particular chapter or this, this Bible. I didn't write these verses, but right. I can be, I can be in the place of this John because he wrote this stuff for me, me, John, me to be able to put myself in, in the place, in the vision that he is seeing. Um, but whether or not that's a literal literal destination for the, the battle to take place doesn't really matter because just as as Paul Chapel said, um, it, it's gonna it's gonna be a quick battle. It's just gonna be God's just gonna destroy Satan with his with the with his words. <laughs> so that's all that's gonna happen. A sharp sword's gonna come out of his mouth, so to speak, which we haven't gotten that far yet. So I'm not gonna spoil it for you. But um, that you know that's coming in the in the future. Um, but then verses 17 to 21 um to finish to kind of circle back to this um it's closing it off with the last bull or last vial and the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air and there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying it is done and there were voices and thunders and lightnings and there was a great earthquake such as was not since men were upon the earth so mighty an earthquake and so great this earthquake was is going to be huge it's going to be nothing like we've seen ever in our entire lives um, verse 19 and the great city was divided into three parts and the cities of the nations fell and great babylon which has been spoken about several times um throughout throughout this uh book um which is just a representation of uh um a sinful city is really what it is came in remembrance before god to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath which was spoken about in chapter 15 about you know treading the wine press and the, the streets are going to be filled with blood all the way up into the, the horse's girdle it's going to be quite a scene um and then verse 20 and every island fled away and the mountains were not found in other words there's not going to be anything left. It's just going to be completely desolate and destroyed. Um, and there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven. Anything that was surviving at this point <laughs> is going to be is going to be uh, destroyed by hail, by giant blocks of ice that are going to be falling down from the sky. Every stone about the weight of a talent, um, which I didn't look up the weight of a talent, uh, but it's going to be it's going to be heavy. It's going to be uh, quite uh, quite the thing. And men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail. For the plague thereof was exceeding great. Um, but I want to I want to look at this this particular verse in verse seventeen. It says, "It is done." That's that's what God is saying to declare that He's completed His ultimate plan. It's finished. There's no more that can be done. When Jesus said it is finished, He completed the sin payment forever. When God said it is done, He completes creation forever. This is it. It's the last of it. Uh, his wrath against evil is completely finished. There's there's nothing else that can be done. An earthquake will shatter the city where Jesus was crucified and his martyrs, where they were murdered. Revelation 11, 7 to 10 gives depiction of that. It says, when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them, and their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. And they of the people and kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half and shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in the graves. And they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them and make merry and shall send gifts one to another because these two prophets tormented them that dwelt on the earth. Um, there's going to be a lot of, of, of Christians that are killed at that particular point in time, a lot of uh, God's children that are destroyed. Um, but they still have the victory because 
they know God. So there, there's that. But all human civilization will end when the Lord comes with thunders, lightnings, and earthquakes. This will be it. Revelation 11:19 says, And the temple of God was opened in heaven, and there was seen in his temple the ark of his covenant, and there were lightnings and voices and thunderings and an earthquake and great hail, all representing what is happening here. Um, the earthquake will be the one that was predicted in the sixth seal. Revelation 6.12 says, And I beheld, when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven fell upon the earth. Even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs, was she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places, which was also mentioned in these verses here. And the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man, hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks and the mountains, thinking they could hide from God's plagues and, and, and destruction and wrath, and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? And they're, they're trying to hide from God's wrath. That's not going to work out very well for them, though. But the last bowl attacks the air, completing the firmament of God's creation and everything that was living as we know it. Genesis 1.8, and God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. There, of course, will be more that unfolds in the next few chapters that weren't directly mentioned in this one. Um, this is kind of what's happening during the wrath, so to speak, in the next few chapters, um, 17 and 18. Um, this chapter only covered the wrath of God and the battle um, of the end. The next chapters will explain what happened to the people and places during these times. And remind us once more about why they deserve this ultimate finish. And, uh, and then we'll talk about what God's plan is after that battle and how that takes place. But even while he is pouring out his wrath, they have a chance for salvation. But God knows they won't take it. And, and, and they prove his foreknowledge by blaspheming his name continually while he proves his word. He attacks his own creation instead, though. And I find that interesting, proving that it's not us that can survive by our own works. We can't do anything. Uh, we breathe his air. We drink his water. We live on his earth. We eat his plants and animals. We see his creation, and we have the audacity to think we're better without him. And he'll prove this wrong. By not attacking us directly, but by attacking the things he created. Showing us how much we need him ultimately. God created all mankind and all things as we know it in the beginning, but he also will end all those things he created. Revelation 1.8 says, I am the Alpha and Omega. Jesus says at the beginning and the end, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. I am everything. I love the contrast as well between Genesis 1.8 and, and Revelation 1.8. Genesis 1.8, and God called the firmament heaven in the evening and the morning were the second day. He's completing this in Revelation 1.8, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I am what was in the beginning, and I am what is going to be in the end. Um, if we have Christ, though, we have the beginning, of course, but we are secure in the end. We may lose everything this world has to offer, and this world will be destroyed ultimately, everything on it, including the people and, and all the animals and everything, but we can never lose him. Any questions, comments, concerns, or complaints?